Psalm 25, verse 14, and then we're going to jump over to Genesis and read a, read a few uh, uh, things together. It says this in 24, uh, 25, 14, the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. Here's something I've learned uh, as a pastor is that a lot of us want to be friends of the Lord. Come on, we sing it today. I am a friend of, okay? You, you remember the song we sang, right? A lot of us want to be friends with God, but not a lot of us want to fear God. But the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. They're hand in hand. You can't be a friend of God without fearing God. They work together. But see, the problem is, I realize this, a lot of us want to be close to God. We want to come to church and maybe appease some, you know, things in our life. And, and maybe we'll read the Bible. But here's what I've discovered. You can't just be close to God and, and think you're going to have the benefits of God. Why? Because it says, goes on to say this, that he makes his covenant with them. With who? Those that fear him. Uh, if you want to be a friend of God, you've got to fear God. Okay? And it's when you fear God that then he makes his covenant with you. Let's go to Genesis 1. Going to jump through a couple of scriptures, try to pull them all together, and, um, and talk about this today as we start our series, Covenants. And uh, we'll look at the first, uh, a little, just a snapshot of, of some of the things in the first covenant. There are nine covenants in the Bible. The first being a creation covenant, the, the next eight being redemptive in nature. Um, that here's the first one, there's no redeeming necessary, God created everything, it's good, here's what I want man to do, here's what it's going to look like, here's how it's going to flow, and then obviously as you read on, you understand that, that man messed up, and then therefore we have eight uh, consecutive covenants after that, all redemptive in nature. Genesis 1, starting in verse 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Who created it? That's good. Go to 26. Verse 26 then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds uh, of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Come on, and those are not men, ladies. Come on, somebody. <laughs> so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, here's what I want you to do. I want you to be fruitful, multiply, and fill the whole earth. Come on, make some babies, somebody. Amen. Be married first. And subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Chapter 2, uh, verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden, the garden that God created, this beautiful work. Remember all the things in chapter 1, and it is good, it is good, it is good. God placed man there in Eden to work it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely what? Die. Not a good thing. Here's, here's, here's what we're going to do. Here's how this is going to work. I created all this. It's for you. You can have everything except for that. All right? Let's go on to chapter 3, starting in verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree, the tree that God said don't eat of it, was good for food and that it was delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her. And he ate. 
Then the eyes of both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Man, if they would have never ate that fruit. Come on, we'd save a lot of money on clothing. Come on, somebody. <laughs> this meeting would look a lot different, though. Anyway. And made themselves loincloths. Have you ever thought about that before? Don't dwell on it too long. Okay. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. Wow, interesting. They hid themselves. Apparently, God would come down and walk with them and talk with them and have this, this great unbroken communication with them. Apparently, this is the way that, that God intended it to be and God wanted it to be, that he wanted to have this intimate relationship and he wanted to walk with them in harmony and in unison and, and you can have all of this stuff, eat of everything but that and then they ate and now something's broken. It's broken intuitively. They know that something's wrong. Their eyes have been opened. They feel a disconnect from God to the point where they are now hiding themselves from the the presence of God among the trees of the garden. Verse 9, but the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid. Wrong type of fear. Because I was naked and I hid myself. Now God immediately knows what that means. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? How do you know you're naked? Did you, did you break the covenant we had together? Have you eaten of the tree of which I command you not to eat? Verse 12, then man said, the woman. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Whom you gave to me. She gave me the fruit of the tree. Interesting that Adam was apparently standing there the whole time watching her pick it and said nothing, but. Then it goes on further and talks a little bit more about that. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. God, I pray that as we go on throughout the day, the giants would win in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> we start today our series on covenants. 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 I'm more convinced than ever before in my life that God truly loves me. That, that he is, 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 is radically and completely in love with me, and not the kind of love that maybe some of you experienced in life with a, another individual, but a love that is unbreakable, a love that is inseparable, a love that, that doesn't look at me in my mistakes and then draw back, but a love that looks at me in my mistakes and actually draws near and closer. I'm more convinced of his love now than ever before. What we've walked through over the last several weeks, but yet to see how in four days God turned it around. Come on, and you don't have to set up chairs. Come on, somebody. That's the love of God. The love of God intervened in a situation, a circumstance that looked bad, but he steps in and says, hey, I'm going to work all things together for the good of those. Now, if we finish the song, you know, correctly, theologically, he works all things together for those who love him and are the called according to his purposes, Okay. What is that speaking of? That's speaking of those that are in a covenantal relationship with him. He doesn't just work things together for good of anybody and everybody. He works things together for good to those that love him and are the called according to his purpose. That's what Psalm 25, 14 is talking about, that the friendship of the Lord is for those that fear him. The friendship of the Lord is for those that are in relationship with him. When Adam and Eve were in a relationship with God, man, unbroke, man, it was beautiful. 
man, that the, 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 they, they, they saw things differently, man. They were connected with God in such an intimate, awesome way. And so God works things together for, good for those, those people. And here we are, church, and we're sitting in this room, and we haven't missed a beat. As a matter of fact, last week we had record attendance for 2012. Come on, somebody. Why? Because of your, your faith to step out and your generosity, and maybe because we got some, some news as well, but it's all good. And so this place is full. Okay? God has provided the last two weeks, our offerings have been at record highs. And I prayed, God, let it happen again today. Okay? Why? Because we still need some extra finances to recover from this thing and, and to get through. But God has worked it together for our good. He continues to work it together for us. Why? Because of his covenantal love for you and I, and more importantly, his covenantal love for his church. Okay? You know, throughout the Bible, although you might not see the bride of Christ referenced, okay, the analogy is all throughout the Bible, husband and wife. God relates to his people as a bride. He looks at us as his bride, and, and that's why Jesus went to the cross to die uh, for, you know, for our sins, to wash us clean so we could be his pure, spotless bride, the one that he's coming back for someday. That, that thought of husband and wife, that thought of, of the bride and the groom, that thought of marriage is a covenantal term. Now here's the sad reality is that in today's society, we don't understand covenants anymore. You know, it's sad because the greatest picture of, of the relationship God wants with his church is marriage, but yet it's the most distorted now in our culture. He, he used it here to share what he wanted with us, but now we've taken that and distorted that. Here's, here's the problem, okay? Rather than, than looking at scripture for the way our relationships should be, we look at our relationships and then interpret scripture, and so now we look at a marriage, and, and, you know, and we say, well, you know, I was married, and he stood at the altar, and he said, for better, for worse, but we ain't married no more. He, he said that, that, that I would be the only one he would love and cherish till death do us part. He ain't dead, although I want to kill him. And you make this pact, this covenantal agreement on your wedding day before God, before all these witnesses, and, and you look at each other, and I've, I've done so many weddings now, and there's some nerves. It doesn't matter if it's a big wedding or a small wedding, there's still nerves, you know, and they're shaking, I do, you know. Okay? They're committing themselves to each other in front of God and all these witnesses, but in a land of annulments and prenups and, and, you know, and leases and all these other weird contracts, you know what, it doesn't mean anything anymore. God is not into prenuptials. God did not say, hey, before I make this relationship with man, there's a few things we got to, okay, I get to keep the garden if this doesn't work out, okay? He doesn't do prenuptials, okay? He's into this thing 100%. He's into a committed, covenantal relationship with his people. The problem is, is in our society, we don't understand covenant anymore. I mean, it's amazing to me that, that I mean, has anybody ever bought a house before? Okay? No one wants to admit to that right now, right? Okay? You, you buy a house, and you know, and you, you have this, this paperwork, this thick, and they need like 40 signatures and 600 initials, Right? And you got to sit there with a notary republic, and they got to watch you sign every page, right? Okay? But then if it doesn't work out, yeah, just declare bankruptcy. What did your signature mean? It meant, it meant nothing, right? 
That's the world we live in, but that is not the way God proposes his will to people. Here's the cool thing. If we understand covenant, we understand that this is not just some, okay, you're God, and I'm going to be subservient, and i got to do all this stuff, and i got to be a Christian, and being a Christian is hard, and it sucks, because then there's all these things I can't do. That's <laughs> the way a lot of people look at Christianity. Can't, can't go out and drink. Can't, you know, all this stuff, and we walk around with this, this weight. Like we're, and that's, that's, that's not the case. If you understand covenant, it's the most freeing relationship in the world. Because not only are we saying yes to him, he's saying yes to us. And when he says yes to us, here's the thing. It's not like your man who left you that said yes to you. The Bible says he'll never leave us or forsake us. Although we might begin to live in the pit of hell, he'll be right there by our side. Think about that. But see, we have a problem understanding those scriptures because we interpret scripture through our experiences, what we know, rather than our experiences, what we know, through scripture. And so when we hear the scriptures that say, hey, you know, he'll stick closer than a brother. Oh, yeah, you don't know my brother. He won't stab me in the back, you know. So now all of a sudden that scripture, like, I don't want him for my brother, you know. We don't understand that. But when God, listen, he is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. What he said, he will do. He commits himself to it. It's a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal thing. What is a covenant? What is a covenant? we got to get cracking here. What is a covenant? Let me just give you a, a, a few things here because I'm, I'm not even, I don't even know where I'm at in my notes right now. What is a covenant? Here's the English word for covenant. Sorry I didn't memorize this one. It's a lot to memorize, and, and um, it's, it's still been a, a rough couple of weeks, all right? Matter of fact, I was so excited for this message. Man, I was ready. Man, I was rehearsing it last night. I was like meditating on it. I was thinking about it. Yes, sometimes I stand in the front of the mirror and I preach to myself, okay? God said. Just, I don't do that, but. But you know, sometimes I'll, you know, I just want to, I just want to, you know, get in the zone, right? And I, I was so ready. And this morning, man, I, I woke up. See, here's, here's the thing. A lot of people don't, you know, they, I, I've had this question before. Hey, pastor, what's your normal day like? <laughs> Not sure normal fits into the sentence, but, you know, a lot of people think, man, Sunday mornings, they must just be like powerful for you. I mean, what do you do in the morning? Well, I, I wake up. I help bathe my children, get them in the shower, dress them, you know, and, and if I have time, then I take a shower, <laughs> You know, and then, you know, and then today, today I got to go get the trailer, the trailer, because we can't store stuff anymore. And so we have a trailer and, and now we found out the trailer's actually too small. I have to get another trailer, but that means we got to get another vehicle to pull the trailer because I just got this Jeep and it pulls so much. Anyway, I got to go get the trailer. And so I'm, man, I'm in the zone, man. I dropped my kids and my wife off here to get some, I'm just going to go pray and go get the trailer. So I'm praying and I, I go over and I get the trailer and I go to hook it up and the thing breaks. <laughs> Yeah, that was my day. About 45 minutes before service start, I got grease all over my hand. I'm like, man, I wonder if Miles McPherson from the Rock Church does this. I hate that guy right now. We should, we should church swap sometime. Yeah. I'm, that's, I'm being honest. That was going through my mind. I'm like... I, had his, I have his number, too. You know, we should, I should give you all his number. We should just plague him right now. I thought about texting him. Hey, you know what I'm doing right now? Yeah. Jerk, you know. You know. 
I just picture him, you know, with three maids coming and serving him food and fans. And <laughs> He's in the zone. I'm jacking up a broken trailer. fun pulling that trailer. People pull up next to me like, dude, that's an awesome trailer. What do you do, man? Are you like a landscaper or, you know, or something? I'm, no, I'm a pastor. Thanks. <laughs> me and my trailer. But I wouldn't trade it for the world. I might trade it for Miles' job every now and then, but <laughs> not for the world, but what's covenant? Covenant. A mutual understanding between two or more parties, each binding himself to fulfill specified obligations, a legal contract, a solemn agreement to do or not to do something, covenant, okay? Adam and Eve, don't do that, but you can do this, okay? We're in this covenant agreement, okay? Things will be great if you, if you do it this way, covenant, covenant. This is the first one, covenant. In the Old Testament, the word is berith. Berith means this, it means to make a pact by passing between two pieces of flesh. Ew. What's that all about? Well, they would make this pact and they would make this agreement and they would have a whole ceremony process to bind themselves in this covenantal contract, this covenantal agreement. And what they would do is they would take an animal and they would cut it in half. Ooh, man. And then they would walk between it, making a pact with one another, saying this, that if we break this covenant, let us become like the animal, severed. The word in the New Testament is diatheke, and it means this. It means a disposition, arrangement, testament, or will. So in other words, this is God's compact with us. This is his disposition. This is his testament or his last will. This is the way that I want things to be. This is a covenant. Why, why make a covenant? What's the point in making a covenant? R- really, a simple way of looking at it is this. A covenant is this. The way God relates to his people. Psalm 25, 14. My friendship belongs to those who fear me, and I'll make my covenant with them. This is the way that God relates to his people. It's in covenantal. Now, this is very essential. This is one of the key themes of Scripture. If you don't understand covenant, you don't even begin to understand the way Scripture is laid out and written. Because the Bible is broken up into the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. We call Old Testament New Testament. It's actually Old Covenant, New Covenant. And if you understand the way that they would actually write covenants back then. Now, obviously, Adam and Eve were not writing this. This was written years later. But in retrospect, now being written, it was written in a way that the people could understand it of that day. And what they understood is they understood a covenantal framework. They understood a covenantal mindset. And so the Bible was written as as such. So back then, when people, because people could establish covenants with each other, just like God established a covenant with humanity. So when people would establish a covenant, someone would come along and they would make an announcement. This is who I am, this is who, where I came from, and this is what I'm about to do to you and for you. If you want to walk in agreement, okay? Thus the Bible is written in the format it's written in. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God. God shows up and he begins to introduce himself. I am God. I'm the one that created the heavens and the earth. Uh, let me just rewind a little bit, Okay? I created this, I created that, and it begins, what is he doing? He's beginning to express himself, this is who I am. Old covenant, okay? Then we get to the new covenant, and it starts out very similar to Genesis 1-1. And it begins to give the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Why does it do that? 
because he's introducing himself. This is who I am, and this is the way life's going to be if you want to walk in agreement with me. It's the way that God relates to his people. God is not into casual relationships. God's not into weekend flings. No, he, he, wants, he wants intimacy with his people. Why, why make a covenant? Why make a covenant? Real, real simple. It brings two people together. Thus, marriage is a snapshot of a covenant. Okay? It brings two people together. That's why Genesis 2.24 says, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and will cleave. Okay, let me just give you a modern-day definition. Will be superglued together with his wife. You ever superglued your fingers together? Oh, you can pull it apart. Man, it's painful. Okay? Marriage, superglued together. Yeah, you can pull it apart, but I ain't ever seen a divorce that ain't painful. You with me? God, in his covenantal agreement with us, he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake. He'll stick closer than a brother. He's there. He's in covenant. It brings two people together. It brings input into our life. What's the Bible say? The gospel is veiled to those who are perishing. Right? But to us that aren't, woo, it's life. It's good, man. That's good stuff right there. This is better than the Super Bowl. Come on, somebody. Unless the Giants win, then that's going to be cool. But. Okay? Man, it's, it's veiled to those who are perishing, okay? But to those who are not perishing, that are in covenantal agreement with him, those who are in that, that zone, man, this is good stuff. It brings input. It brings input. The Bible says in Hebrews, whom the Lord loves, he... Love that one. Whom the Lord loves, he chastens. And no chastening is fun at the moment, but yet it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. And then it goes on and talks about if, if you're not being chastened, if you're, not a, if you're not in relationship with God, if you're not a son of God, you're illegitimate. You don't belong. It brings input. When you're in covenantal, why make a covenant? Because it brings input. Into, in a marriage relationship, okay? Listen to me. Listen, I, I'll talk to my friends and get some input. But when I talk to my wife, I'm not like looking at Caleb like, oh yeah, Caleb said this, and then my wife comes in and says this, and I like what Caleb said better. Because I want to stay married, all right? So, <laughs> brings input. The two became one. What she says is like, I, we, gotta be, we better be on the same wavelength. Yeah. It brings input, and I better listen to her input. Because she's got a lot of wisdom, and we, we became one. I better listen, but you know, you know what? She better listen as well. And together, we make decisions together. We never make decisions apart from each other. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Now, this is an extreme example, but it's true. Because when we got married, we not only tied our, our, ourselves together just, you know, in intimacy and things, every part of us. Our finances are tied together. The way uh, we raise our kids is tied together. We are on the same page. I don't give a time out and she spanks. No, no, we've, we've come together and said, how are we going to discipline our children? I don't want my nine-year-old running around totally confused, all right? So we're on the same wavelength. When it comes to our finances, we are on the same wavelength, okay? To the degree, and this might be extreme and, you know, whatever, but like if I'm out at Target and I see some shirts on sale, I might need one, and it's going to cost me 18 bucks, guess what I do? 
Hey, baby, have I told you lately that I love you? Have I told you that there's no one else above you? That you fill my heart with, anyway. Um, and I'll ask her, hey, babe, there's some shirts on sale. I need a new one. Is it, do you mind if I pick one up? Now, some of you, that sounds extreme. Are you serious? Dead serious. And there might be a time when she'd be like, you know what, babe, this just happened, and we had to spend this money. Can you hold off? Most of the time, it's like, babe, you need a shirt. It's 18 bucks. Pick it up. But you know what that does? Man, it builds more intimacy, if you know what I'm talking about. Marriage is good. I never, now th there might be some of you out there that are single and you're like, oh God, is this whole entire month going to be like this? Yes, it is. <laughs> Absolutely. It's going to be like this because I believe it's God's will for you to be married someday too. So this is a good time to take notes, figure out how it should be so you don't have to mess around with some man that, you know, isn't into committing himself to you. Okay? I never spend money without, if we're not on the same page, why? Because it is just, I I've done it once and it just was ugly for a week. Until I took it back, got the money back, and said, babe, okay. <laughs> it brings input. Well, pastor, but I've read the scriptures, you know, and, and, and she needs to submit to me. Wow. I mean, I don't know what her problem. If I want to buy a shirt, I'll buy it. I'll buy ten shirts. I'll make her wear one of them. <laughs> Maybe two, you know. She needs to submit. No, you, you, you're misinterpreting scripture. Yeah. Okay. Because if you read the whole thing in Ephesians 5, you realize this, that, yeah, she'll submit to you, but as Christ laid down his life for the church, so you ought to lay your life down for her. And if you are, listen to me, a woman has no problem submitting to a man who's continually dying for her. Oh, pastor, but, but I don't know about that. I mean, are you serious? I mean, I mean shouldn't she submit? Yeah, she'll submit. And I'm not talking about if someone's completely out of line. But listen to me. Men, if you will lay down. Okay, now if you're single, take notes on this one. Okay? Because I married up. And the way I married up, my wife's hot. All right? <laughs> Love was blind at that moment. I mean, it might have been temporary. It might have been on honeymoon night. She might have walked out and be like, who are you? <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the guy you married. You looked much different when we were dating. <laughs> Love is blind. Okay, so <laughs> I'm married up. You know how I married up? I learned something from my father. I had a great dad. I learned something from my father. Man, I'm just going to lay down my life for my wife, and I'm going to serve her. And when I do that, man, life is good. Now, I'm not talking about being a doormat and you get walked on. Because all of a sudden now she sees that, and she's like, baby, I love you. What do you, you want to do? You want to start a church? Let's start a church. Covenant, it brings security and assurance. Brings security and assurance. Let me tell you something. Um, you know, when, when a man and a woman live together, that, to me, is one of the dumbest things ever, unless they're married. Because if a woman was honest, the only reason she's doing it is to try to keep him around. Because she genuinely loves him. But I'm going to be real hard on the men for a second. Because if the man really loved her, he would not put her in that position. God would never put us in a position of compromise. 
And a real man will never put a woman in a position of compromise. Because as Christ is, so we men ought to be. Now listen to me. I know there's mistakes. I know there's downfalls. I know that, okay? But it's one thing to make a mistake. And uh, let me change that. It's one thing to sin and realize you've sinned and come to a place of repentance than to habitually keep sinning. Are you with me? And if the man really loves you, he won't make you compromise ever. Those are some good notes right there. Some good notes. Because if the woman was honest, she wants commitment. She wants the man to propose to her. It's getting quiet in here. Well, maybe I'll check out Miles next week. It's fine. I'll be doing this. Thinking about how much I don't like you either. I'm just kidding. brings assurance. It gets us on the same page. Amos 3.3 says, I'll just paraphrase it, but how can two walk together unless they're agreed? How can two walk together unless there's an agreement? Marriage is an agreement. We're walking together for better, for worse. Only you, baby. (laughs) Okay? Doesn't matter what happens. Okay? Uh, There's a movie coming out, The Proposal. I don't know if I'm going to go see it. I'll let some of you go watch it and tell me if it's worth watching. Okay? But someone already see it? It's already out? It's out? Has anybody saw it yet? No one wants to admit to it? Oh, the vow. That's what, I'm sorry, the vow. Yeah. See, that's how into media I am. The vow. Has anybody seen the vow? Not out yet. Okay. Let me know how it goes. But I've seen the trailer, and man, this, this is pretty intense. Like, talk about for better, for worse. She don't even remember who he is. Cop out. <laughs> <Just kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Man, when you, you're on the same page together, you're in agreement with one another, you're, you're walking, you're flowing in harmony. Listen to me. The greatest, listen to me, the greatest, greatest feelings of anxiety in a, in a marriage relationship, the greatest feelings of, of uncertainty in a relationship come when a man and a woman in the marriage relationship aren't walking on the same page. It creates friction. Uncomfortable. There's no peace in the home. It's not a fun place to be. But what a covenant's supposed to do, why make it is it gets us on the, how can two walk together unless they're, they're, they agree? It's very simple, and I need to finish. All the worship went long today, and I had no control over that. <laughs> Who will give me five more minutes? Five, 10, 15, 20, 20. You guys will learn someday, okay? It's like this. Hey, Brandon, you want to hang out? Yeah. You want to do it this week? Uh, sure. Awesome, Okay. And we walk away, and we're just expecting we're going to meet up someplace, sometime, someday. But a covenant says this. Hey, Brandon, you want to hang out this week? How about Thursday? Okay, how about 3 o'clock? How about um, we meet at that steakhouse, um, Greystone in downtown? Uh, How about you pay? Okay? Okay. A covenant is specific. It gets us on the same page. We walk in agreement because now we know where we're headed. That's why God gave us this. So that we're not just like, oh, I love Jesus. Yeah, Jesus. Rah, rah, re. You know? What Jesus are you talking about? This one. Okay? Yeah, I love God, and, and God's given us his, his word, his 
will, his testament, so that we can read it and be in agreement. Now, here's something you got to know about a covenant, okay? A covenant is proposed by one side. Here is the terms of the covenant. You can either say yes to it, you can say no to it, but you can never change it. That's a covenant. A covenant is like, I like that, but not so much that, so let me take this back to my attorneys, and we'll rewrite that part of Scripture, and then we'll come to a mutual understanding. A covenant is God approaching his people saying, hey, here's my last will and testament. This is the way I want you to live. This is the way I want culture to be. This is how you're to flow together with, in relationships and in harmony. Man, it affects uh, the arts. It affects music. It affects business transactions. It affects every area of your life. Here it is. You can either accept it, reject it, but you can't change it. Hmm. And this is the exciting part. What does this mean for me today? He's a covenant-making, covenant-keeping, covenant-revealing, and covenant-enabling God. The Bible says that we are saved by grace through faith, but the faith that we have isn't even our own. He not only proposed the covenant, he gave us the ability to say yes to the covenant because he wanted to enable us to walk in the covenant with him. Now that's good news for us today because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The way he related to people then is the same way he's relating to us now. No, maybe not, you know, with the Greek and the Hebrew. No, maybe not with the Old English, but he still wants to propose his will to us in a way that we say, wow, that is awesome. Because if you truly understand covenant, you understand that God is binding himself to us. And what that tells me then is that when he says, hey, I'm a friend that sticks closer than a brother, he really is going to be there through thick and thin. When I read the scripture that says, although I make my bed in the pit of hell, he'll never leave me or forsake me. That means he's really never going to leave me or forsake me. When he said, tell death do us part, he didn't even say that. He said, when death comes, man, we're never going to be apart. Because it's in him we live, move, and have our being. My God. He's, he's in the covenant. He's into a, a relationship that is inseparable. That's good news for us today. Because now, if I understand covenant, I read the scriptures completely different. We talked about some stuff uh, two weeks ago. Now I understand because of covenant. Now I understand how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel 3 could say, we're not bowing to that gold image. Nah. Because the God we serve, we're in covenant. And he'll deliver us from this fire. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, we will never, ever worship another God. And because of covenant, that's why they could dance in the fire. Are you with me? It, it, make, it makes sense now when, when Paul is in prison that he's writing to the church in Galatia and he says, I know that this will work out according to my earnest expectation, period. What? Because he understands covenant. He understands that, hey, I'm in prison, but guess what? God's right here with me. And I know that this is going to work out according to my earnest expectation that's why we ladies and gentlemen can go what we go through what we have as a church 
and keep moving and keep worshiping and keep celebrating and keep loving God because we are in a covenant relationship and I know he'll never leave me or forsake me. I know that the Bible says surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. That is covenant. What are you walking through today? See, here's, here's, here's the problem. Is we, we face something in our life and we get worried about it. We get worried about it. The only people that should be worrying are the people that aren't in covenant relationship with him. If you're in covenant relationship with him and you begin to worry, what you're saying is, God, I don't know if you can handle this one. I don't know if you're big enough for this one. Think about how silly. Me and my wife are married, right? We're married almost 15 years. Been amazing. 15 years. Been a great 15 years. But when she's off shopping or something, I'm sitting alone. I'm not like, oh, God, I hope we're still married. <laughs> hope she's really shopping and, you know. I don't sit around doing that. I'm like, sweet, I get to watch the game. She's going to shop. Come on, somebody, this is a good deal. <laughs> okay? Why do we sit around like, oh, man, my finances. Oh, jeez. I mean, I don't know how this is going to work out. You don't have to. You're in covenant relationship. You don't have to. He's Jehovah Jireh. You're provided. If you're in covenant relationship. Now, if you ain't in covenant relationship and you don't fear him, don't walk around trying to call, oh, I'm Jehovah Jireh. Spin, 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 spin. No, you're, you're, you're an idiot. <laughs> When sickness and disease come, oh, no, he's, he's Jehovah Rapha, my healer and my health. Are you with me this morning? Why are you worried? Why are you wondering if it's going to work out? If you're in a covenant relationship with him, it's going to work out. And if you die, well, then you get to be with him in heaven. It's, it's, it's a win, win, win win, win. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is amazing. Hallelujah. Do me a favor. Just close your eyes for a minute. We're going to conclude. Thank you guys so much for the last several weeks of Urban Church. You guys have been absolutely amazing, giving, generous. I love this church. I love it. And I know that we're going to continue to reach people in this city. I know that this is going to be the greatest harvest we've ever seen because of his covenantal promises to us. Because the reality is it's not about urban church. It's about the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And his will is that none should perish and all should come to repentance. See, God wants urban church to succeed more than any of us sitting in this room, including me. And if God's brought you to this church, man, I'm so thankful. and We're so blessed and we're ready, man, to reach a harvest this year. But it's hard to reach a harvest specific for this church unless we're committed pastor I'm on board let's do this I'll, I'll buy a book I'll get a book to somebody 
Perfect. Let's do it. Let's see. Some people say, one of the words I've been holding on to is the Holy Spirit spoke to me the night that the arson took place. I went back, didn't get much sleep that night. And I kept thinking about a fire, and I felt like the Holy Spirit said, Ben, I want you to just look up why a, why a farmer burns their field. So I did a little research, and I didn't grow up on a farm. I knew a little bit about it here and there, but I, and I kind of knew a little bit of the answer, but I did a little research. And there's two ways that a farmer takes care, care of his field. He comes through with a tractor, and he, and he tills everything back into the soil to get it ready for the next year's crop and next year's harvest. But another way he does it is he actually burns the field. And as I was studying and reading up, they said the better way to release the nutrients into the ground is actually by burning the field. And when a farmer burns the field rather than just tilling it back into the soil, it actually yields a richer, fuller, larger crop the next year. And I've been holding on to that word, and I, I asked God, why do we go through this? Sit then because I'm getting Urban Church ready for a, a richer, fuller, larger harvest in 2012. Pat, ben, you've been, you've been praying for the harvest. You've been believing for the harvest. You've been contending for the harvest. And yes, the harvest would have come, but now that you've walked through a little fire, now that you've walked through a little, a little of this and a little of that, I am going to allow a greater harvest to take place in this city and in this church. But it starts right here with the soil. It starts with us. It starts with our hearts. And so i got to ask you this question today. Where, where do you sit with God? First and foremost, you're here today, and, and you would say maybe you're not in a covenantal relationship with God. Listen to that first verse. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear Him. A lot of people want to be friends. Not too many want to fear, and therefore there's no covenant. You're here today, and you're separated from God. And you know now that you need to say yes to the covenant. Not try to change it, not try to change the terms, but just to say yes to it. And you're here today, and God is moving on your heart. God is proposing himself to you again. Now we're going to talk about it over the next four weeks. God's the pursuer. Just like man is the pursuer of the relationship, God is the pursuer of his people. That's why there's eight successive covenants, redemptive in nature, coming afterwards because man broke it, God came after him. Man broke it again, God came after him. He's jealous for his church. And you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm not, not in a relationship with God and I need to be. If that's you, eyes are closed, heads are bowed. I want to just pray for you and know that you're acknowledging that. Say, Pastor, do I need to raise my hand? Do I need to come forward? What do I need to do? It's real simple. Talk to Jesus. Talk to Jesus. Talk to Jesus. It's not just a prayer. Come on, it's a lifestyle. And you begin to change and you begin to move towards God. On the count of three, that's you and you need to surrender your life. One, two, three. Just shoot your hand in the air. Anybody at all? Anybody in this place? You're not in a covenantal relationship with Jesus. You're not in a relationship with God. Hallelujah. 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 It's time to step back in. It's time to step back in. Thank you. It's time to step back in. Anybody, you're here today and you're walking through some things in your life and you're worried. You're concerned. There's some fear in an area. I want to remind you, and God, more importantly, wants to remind you, you don't have to walk in fear. You don't have to walk in worry. No. He's got your back. He's got you. He's got you today. He's got you today. You're here today, and there's been some things that you've been struggling with, some things that you've been worrying about, some things that have been weighing you down. I want to pray for you. Why, why are you fearful? Why are you worried? God's in covenant relationship. If that's you, just shoot your hand there. I want to pray for you right where you're at. Anybody at all. Thank you. 
Anybody at all? You'd be honest enough. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't need to worry. Thank you. Don't need to worry. Don't need to worry now. God's a good God. Jesus, we love you, Lord. Uh, let's just go and stand your feet as I close in prayer. God, we thank you for today. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come on up to the front. Prayer team, go and come up to the front. After I pray, if you raise your hand for any of those and you need prayer, you want prayer today, listen to me. That can be just you and God talking, but let me tell you something. Sometimes there's something powerful about coming up and just joining with somebody in prayer. And if, if that's you, we want to join with you today. God, I thank you for everybody here today. Lord, I thank you for the beginning of, of this new series. Lord, I pray that through it, God, we would understand the relationship that you want to have with us. God, I pray that we'd understand how much you love us. And God, through that, I pray we begin to change our picture of relationships we have on earth. Lord, the relationship with our spouse and how I as the man am to lay down my life for my wife and how my wife is supposed to surrender and submit. God, that everything would make more sense when we come out of this. God, I pray that when we walk away after these four weeks, God, we would be knit closer together in a covenantal relationship. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.